long. So we're going to like jump right in. First off, super hot fact from Josh. Josh likes to give like these brain busting uh, facts that are just like, whoa, I can't believe I didn't know that before. But it feels like I have always known that. It's weird. He's really good at it. So uh, we're quickly going to go over to Josh with that. So right in three, two, one. Here it comes now. One in 5,000 North Atlantic lobsters are born bright blue. So, yeah, see, he just knew that without even having to do anything. And, you know, you would think that, okay, it'd be so easy in this day and age to just, like, cheat and just, like, look it up and just Google it right before saying it. But Josh does none of that ever, and it's always just as good as the last one. It's amazing. Steel trap. Yeah, he's a steel trap. Uh, speaking of traps, sometimes you are on the on a street trap, and that's what I like to call <laughs> That's what I refer to as traffic. Sometimes Josh will like uh, call me and I'll be Bluetoothing it because I'm safe. And I'll be like, I'm in a street trap right now. And Josh knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm street mm-hmm. trapping. So uh, that's traffic. And I was on the way to work the other day and it takes me 11 minutes to get to work. If there's some dystopian future where it's like Book of Eli style and like there's no traffic and it's just me out there with like a, a jacket and a lot of dust flying around. It would take me 11 minutes to get to work if I had a vehicle. But in the scenario that I live in, I go to work on peak traffic hours. And so instead of 11 minutes, I like to give myself an ample amount of time. And I give myself about 14. So I'm on the way and I hit a street trap. And (laughs) I'm just, I'm all of a sudden, it's just the cars were going, but now they're not going anymore. And we're just hanging out, you know you know, exchanging Tamagotchis and stuff like that, what everybody does in traffic. And I start to think, will I make it in time? Because if I get to the parking lot, it takes me at a leisurely pace, 14-ish minutes to get to the uh, time clock, which a lot of people had to use time clocks. I still do. So I'm starting to think, will I have, am I going to make it in time? And I'm starting to see stuff like there's like cops going by and I'm like, oh no, something crazy must be happening up there. Maybe this traffic is going to get even worse. Uh, long story short, we emerged from the street trap and lo and behold, oh, it looks like there was no reason for this. We were just all chilling for a little bit. The old DQ chilling grill. So I get into the parking lot and I'm, I'm sprinting. A grown man running. Yeah. A grown speed. Yeah. Grown man. It's like, if I say like running adults, I think they translate that into jogging. But if you told a 10 year old, like, Hey, run to that fence, that means sprint. So in 10 year old terms, I'm running. (laughs) And I'm like weaving in and out of cars. And I'm like, man, I wish I could see this because I'm looking probably kind of cool. <laughs> and I <laughs> I have my backpack and I'm holding it in front of me because for whatever reason, my brain's like, you're faster. You're more swift with it in front of you. And at one point, I decide I'm going to switch it to the back. And I have a glass apple cider vinegar beverage in the uh beverage holster and I drop it onto pure asphalt and it explodes all over my backpack and I'm like no there's got to be glass everywhere but by some magical happening I was spared that I don't know what happened but the bottle the cap just opened and it was actually kind of impressive that all of the drink just came out I don't even know how it happened I drop it cap explodes the entire drink saturates my backpack which is, again, apple cider vinegar. If you've ever smelt it, okay, interesting. Anyways, I put it on. I sprint in. Somehow I make it in. And traffic will get you is what we're trying to say. Traffic (laughs) will get you. (laughs) Traffic will, it'll just, 
Ah, yeah. especially if it's an island. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, best segue we've ever had. Zach Olson, what can we say? An impressive lineup of acts. He was in mm-hmm. The Frowning. Clouds. And then he was in Orb. I was going to do this, but it was only yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was one, one syllable. Yeah. And now he's in Traffic. Island. I actually lived with you when we did this. Yeah, that was, that was nice. It was nice. Mm-hmm. It was uh, cozy. And yeah. we recorded this on a phone. And it sounds like it's on a phone. So enjoy that. Mm-hmm. If you miss talking to people on the phone, this will scratch that itch. Uh, we saw him live in Orb when he was in Austin, and we talked about that a little bit. And then uh, his album that he was actually pushing when he was on this program two years ago was Sweat Collectus Peanut Butter Traffic Jam. I tried to say it in the interview, I think, and I completely flubbed it up. But it's Sweat Collectus Peanut Butter Traffic Jam. Check it out. It's on our Spotify playlist Couch it is like really playlist. good like i don't know we're not blowing smoke that's a really cool record so for sure check it out it's good this podcast is not brought to you by what the suits would consider a traditional sponsorship so we're going to sponsor it ourselves with our own blend of urbans and spices <laughs> urbans <laughs> keith urbans and scary spices <laughs> yeah we're a we're a band and we started this podcast to just connect with creative people that we really like so all the bands on this roster and all the bands we're about to interview we we genuinely like them and we want to connect with people in austin we also want to connect with people all over the world wide web so if you like what we're doing we'd love to connect with you and uh just follow us on the internets connect with us send us messages listen to our music all the music that you hear in this podcast is uh music that our band has recorded so uh if you like any of it check it out at first names is a band on instagram and you can i guess go from there couch radio is a podcast and first names is a band Doing well, how are you? Yes, good, thank you. Yeah, how's it going? I, you're in the future, so uh, what's it like? Yeah, it's tomorrow here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's okay, the weather's been good. <laughs> it's still, it'll still yeah. close down here in the future. Yeah, the, what's what's that been like? I know you were, uh, yeah, just shut down a musician on lockdown. What have you been up to? Um, been good for me because, yeah, the best, the thing I enjoy most is sort of recording and making music. So, and um, and yeah, especially without the without the expectation to go play it live or anything like that. Sort of like I really like that because it allows me to do whatever I like when I'm making the song. So, yeah, 
it's, it's been good for me. I've actually liked the lockdown. I feel a little bit guilty for feeling good about a world pandemic, but <laughs> it's I managed to find some silver lining. I think. Okay, good. Are you uh, quarantining with other people, or are you just fully lone wolfing it right now? Yeah, I live with um, my, my girlfriend, and my two housemates, uh, Leah and Jesse, and they're all musical, so they're doing lots of stuff. I just moved into like a studio though, like right when the lockdown happened which is really close to my house. So I've been going back and forth between there most days. And yeah, it's been good. You're living the life. Yeah, it's living a life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you working on all of your projects right now? How many projects are you currently working on? Like are currently involved in, I guess. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to keep it really simple, but at the moment I'm just working on one, one thing, which is, I just did a remix for a friend. And then, yeah, now it's just working on this one sort of album project. And, um, yeah, try not to muddy the waters or get too cloudy. So just focusing on the one thing. Is that difficult when you're in so many projects? Um, well, usually it kind of, we sort of just do one at once. It kind of, I think the reason a lot of people in Melbourne are in so many projects, I actually don't know the reason, but I feel like, yeah, usually people just like to branch out and do something different once, you know, once they've done one. It's, I guess, like, collaboration is a big thing in Melbourne. And so, yeah, people will make an album in a certain format with a certain group of people, and then when that's done, it's just, all right, who else can I play with? And so, yeah, I think it seems like there's lots of bands. There's an illusion of lots of bands in Melbourne, but it's really just maybe the same like 50 people doing everything. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I was going to, I wanted to dip into that about, you know, it seems like even just looking at it from an outsider's perspective of just flightless alone, you guys are all doing different things. And it seems like the thing is to be like super prolific, where if you look at like just most other artists, they're in maybe one project and they're putting out one record every two years. And it seems like, Everybody over there is in multiple projects and putting out just shitloads of music. I mean, what's is everybody pushing each other to be like, you know, do you feel kind of guilty not putting out music or or what's the what's the deal there? Yeah, there's got to be a bit of that, I guess, subconsciously. Like, um, yeah, a little bit of competition and stuff, healthy competition, I suppose. Um, I mean, sometimes it can be, yeah, I think sometimes the quality can be diminished. I mean, I'm just speaking from personal experience. Like, I think I've found things that maybe I've rushed or, or like, thought I could have done that better if I spent more time on it. But I think, yeah, I think getting over that frame of mind is just being like, well, I'll just make another one and hopefully it'd be better next time, maybe. Or... Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone looks around and sees everyone doing stuff. It's like, well, I better do it. I wonder if, like, it feels like almost that that would kind of just by default, like like uh, even if you are putting out some stuff that's maybe not up to like your own standard or something, like you're you're essentially practicing by working on so much that like eventually you're just getting better and better. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely how I look at it. Is that for me the one of the only reasons I keep doing stuff all the time is because I think. You know, I think it's the things about the last thing I did that I would fix again. And I'm just constantly 
do it because I think I'll be able to do it better next time, maybe. And then it's never the case, but yeah. But that's good. It keeps you just doing doing it more and more. I think. Well, we love the most recent Traffic Island album, Sweat Collective's Peanut Butter Jam. Was the process of making that really different than something else that you've worked on, or was it was it new for you in, in different ways? How was the making of that? Yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of different trying to explain this. I think when we were doing Nature Strip, while that is more of real instruments and, I mean, real instruments and acoustic things, and I was sort of in the process of mixing it and editing it, there would yeah, be certain things where I, even though the aesthetic and the, the genre of the music was acoustic, rock or psychedelic or whatever, a lot of the methods was still these quite electronic methods, like editing on the computer and stuff like that. And so I just sort of thought I would like to explore that part of the, making the record heaps more. And yeah, sort of just did a whole record in that kind of, and just more cutting and pasting and and that kind of thing and looping things and yeah so rather than pretend that you know I didn't cut one drum roll and put it at the end to make it sound better I just like really leaned into that album like that but it was really obvious that I was using the same part again at the end of the song but um yeah I think the thing is yeah the methods weren't really that different that's the interesting thing I think while the covers and the genre and everything seems way different, they're both almost made in the exact same fashion, which is, yeah, something I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like what what makes, what constitutes it's an electronic record? Like, if you're still playing acoustic songs, putting them into a laptop, and mixing it, it's still electronic, really, you know? And so, mm, right. yeah. And just there's a, there's a blurry line between all that stuff now that everyone makes music on computers. It's kind of all electronic. Listening to the record for, I don't, you know, I feel like sometimes like trying to just like say what you feel about other people's art a lot of times is like barking up the wrong tree. But I feel like when I was uh, listening to it, it felt to me like it could have been, like it felt kind of like a movie score a little bit. And I really, yeah. I like dig that shit. And you know, it really fit nicely with like the the different bits of audio with um you know just like quotes and stuff that you put in there. Um, is that like what kind of vibe was that kind of type of vibe you were going for, or was there any vibe at all that you were going for? Yeah, definitely. When I started, I thought I wanted to make sort of hip hop beats and that kind of thing, but um, it kind of yeah, it was kind of harder or that I thought, or it wasn't something that came naturally to me necessarily. So I just sort of what, like just made whatever came out. And so sometimes it was hip hop, but yeah, sometimes it was kind of movie score kind of stuff, which I also love that kind of thing. And, and yeah, so I did a tape years and years ago in my early twenties, which was kind of like this, yeah, electronic instrumental synthy stuff as well. So I was sort of revisiting that again. I think it was just also refreshing you how to make music and not have to worry about lyrics or that kind of stuff and just really just make, yeah, make the music. And, and a lot of that stuff wasn't pre-written. It was just made while I was making it, which is the most, yeah, for me, the most fun way of making music is really in just, just there while you're doing 
that's it. <laughs> right, right. Who's uh, who's Charlie? Uh, that's reference to Charlie Watts, who plays drums in the Rolling Stones, which oh, is right. sort of so the groove of that song was based on something that he would do. Yeah, that kind of Rolling Stones groove, which I thought you could sample into hip hop, but I'm not sure if anyone had really done that yet. But didn't really turn out as hip hop as I'd hoped, but yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the, I guess, visual stuff you put out with this record are like really cool, like the video for Ola Dola and uh, yeah. the uh, the thing you recently did with Button Pusher. I mean, I don't know, man. Like aesthetically. All those are those things are both like super beautiful. Like how um, is that something that you just like? Oh, you trust somebody else to basically come up with the vision and the, or is it something that you like to have your your paws in? You know, I definitely um, trust. Yeah, you know, like what those two things that the boys are saying and the John, uh, my friend John Stewart made the the video for Aladella. But yeah, I really just let them sort of direct it and go nuts. We sort of had this idea, had a loose idea maybe that I wanted to just try and make a really like HD, like high quality video clip. That would be kind of funny. But um, yeah, I just sort of let John just tell me what to do and we just drove around for a whole day and I did that dance like hundreds of times. And <laughs> it turned out good. I think I was, I was a little bit, um, a little bit scared of it coming out, I think. But yeah, that's all just real on a whim. There's no plans or I see something and like it. Same with the album cover. My girlfriend did that. I just, we just sort of we were trying ideas together, and then I just said, "Hey, why don't you just make some of your own covers and don't you know? Don't listen to me. Just make some. See what they look like." Speaking to the having no budget or, or not using a budget. It seems like a lot of times when I think about, I don't know, like making music and like diving into like big, oh, this was recorded at like, you know, this fancy studio, whatever. A lot of times I find that I'm enjoying more of the stuff that's like people say that they made in their basement or their garage or something. I mean, do you, how do you feel about it? Like, do you, do you like having no budget and that, does that like fit your needs better or would you like to just be able to spend a million dollars making a record? Um, you know, I grew up listening to, like, budget music and music made on, like, tiny budgets. And so, yeah, I think my ear kind of leans towards that stuff a bit more. And it's usually a small personality from that kind of music, maybe. Yeah. Um, having said that, yeah, I, I would love to be able to just blow a big budget on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily, yeah. I like both ways. I'm not one of the people that said don't need lots of money to make an album or well, I'm not one of the people that says you need lots of money, but there's pros and cons about both, I think. Mm-hmm. But generally something if you're given limitation, you have to work your way around things and problem solve that usually has a cooler or more interesting result, I think. Mm, yeah. But less people maybe can yeah, less people connected to that weird sounding shit. So I think that's made for a while. Expensive albums usually uh, get, you know, number one and that kind of shit, I think. But I was listening, I heard that United States whatever song recently. And 
The what song? You know, it's like whatever by Liam Lynch. Shoot, I don't even know that song. I don't know that either. That was like a number one hit, at least in Australia when I was really young. But I listened back to it recently, and it was so like it was definitely just recorded on a four track or something. I couldn't believe it. It was incredibly low-fi for a number one hit. So. Yeah. See, yeah, that's interesting to me because I think sometimes it's like you can get so bogged down in like all the bullshit around it, like as far as like making it with this or like, no, we're going to record on tape or whatever. But I think a lot of times it's like, well, if the song, if the song is good, yeah, it feels like it'll good. rise up. Yeah, I mean, even the tape thing is a myth too. I, I reckon um, a lot of the people that swear by tape, I think if you got... I think you could play the digital recordings and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. If you have someone that knows what they're doing, like, I reckon you're crazy to think that you can. Yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff that people hear with tape sound maybe is just certain frequencies missing or not really so much the tape. Right, right. You could EQ around it. I think so. I mean, personally, yeah. Personally, I'm not so by the tape the tape nonsense <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so going through i mean even the albums uh from traffic island and then your other bands and like orb and uh the frowning clouds like uh i mean you you definitely have it seems like a, a really eclectic music taste and i was wondering what was it like when you started like how old were you when you started playing music and like what kind of music were you into initially um let me Started the frowning clouds. I think I was fourteen, maybe fifteen, and um, we had the most uneclectic taste ever. Then it was like literally only music from like nineteen sixty three to nineteen sixty six is like all I listened to for like nearly ten years or something. Yeah. If it was outside of that window, like. Yeah, window time frame. I just did not fuck with it. I had nothing to do with it. But yeah, it started. That started expanding a bit. I think um, when I was really young, the OCs came and played in our hometown. Maybe when I was like 19 or so. Mm-hmm. I remember the EPK. It was like a new band that's, I think, doing something interesting that I like. And then, yeah. Yeah, it exploded from there. And I realized I was allowed to like things that. We're past 1966, and then it just, yeah, and then as it went on, just, yeah, I think there probably isn't really a genre that it doesn't have something that I like, Represent, you know, there's a good representative mm-hmm. of every genre, I think, out there, but maybe a certain character that a lot of them have, or characteristics that the, the music has or something, but yeah, I don't think it's defined by the genre, I know what it is, though. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, didn't you have you? You guys have toured with OCs, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. We took with them last year in February. Yeah, February last year, through straight. It was real fun. Sweet. Was that like a? I mean, shit. If you guys, if you saw them at nineteen, and you're like, wow, these guys are great, and then was that like a moment, like, oh, I'm touring with this band that I saw a long time ago? It was for sure. I mean, we played one, maybe two shows with them a year or two years before that when they came to Australia or did and that was before we had an album or anything yeah I remember John as soon as he finished he was like if you have any recordings I'll put out your album so that was kind of the 
that moment, I was like, whoa, yeah, I'm always real thankful for him helping us out. That's cool, man. I read that you guys started Orb as like, I don't want to say a joke, but kind of just like, as like, a, you know, with a smile or whatever. So like, if that was the idea with Orb, like, oh, this will just be fun. Was it, was that how all of your music projects have been? Or has it been like, did you start with music and be like, I want this to be my life? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I think with Frowning Clouds when we started, it was so young, 14, 15, it was just like, we thought we were the only band in the whole world doing that kind of thing. And we would, I don't know, when you're young, you just think it's all so important and stuff. So, yeah, that was definitely serious. And we thought we were going to like, going to do, but we thought that was it. But, um, yeah, as you go on, the industry grinds you down a bit. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and yeah, just looking for other outlets. So we could just turn it off and make some dumb riffs and, and yeah, so it was, yeah, definitely like a little bit jokey, but at the same time, it's like we wanted it to be as good as and cool as we could be. How did you and like King Giz and that whole thing, were you guys like playing together like shows and stuff and then everything just kind of started taking off simultaneously or? Yeah, well, I mean, we all, Giz and the old air old bands, they used to play with Browning Clouds. Yeah. Those a while ago now but I remember Brownie Clouds and then Cook and Stu's old band both opened for OCs when they first came so that was like yeah none of us heard the band or heard the OCs so I remember they came and played and then yes like the next week everyone joined a new band and um yeah one of those bands being Arrogance was the one that we started, and and then yeah, we sort of went down different paths for a while, like all the kids and guys and us. But then, yeah, luckily we reconnected in the recent years and yeah, recording stuff together and it's been good. We saw you guys play in Austin, uh, I think last time you were here, and it was a uh, it was really sick. Were you planning on doing a Traffic Island tour? I would love. Too. Um, everyone else in the band is in projects. See, so, yeah, they're always busy doing that, and touring just costs so much money. Mm-hmm. And Island just doesn't really generate, generate money to get over to America, especially, which costs a lot with the visas and everything. So, but um, I would, I would love to somehow, someday. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see when the next one, which I'm working on at the moment, but maybe that can be to it. I don't know. We'll see. All right. I would love I would love to see it. Hell yeah. <laughs> so like you're putting out so much music, you're in multiple projects, you're super prolific there, and when you're not doing that, it seems like you're touring. This is just me looking as an outsider. So like do you do anything else or is it just music all the time? Are you like, oh I'm also really into like fishing? Um no, it's basically all I do, really. Um <laughs> besides the occasional like, occasionally go skateboarding, but not really, maybe once a week or and um, I watch a lot of movies, but that's, yeah, I'm not doing those things. It's basically that. And especially now with the lockdown, it's just like, I've got, yeah, this is no other reason to do anything else at the moment. So it's a good excuse to be like, no, I'm staying in, I'm doing this. But it's good. As an outsider from 
not being from Australia, obviously, and it seems like in the last 10 years, there's been this just explosion of like rock and pop music that's like some of the best in the world and the world has just absorbed it as like some of the best. I'm wondering if like, does it feel like that from from a, from being from there? Or is it like, oh, there's always been great music here, but it just hasn't really had the opportunity or something to like take off. Cause it's like everywhere you look, like your whole crew, all that music's insane. Then you got the Tame Impala and Pond. It, that seems like it's kind of like its own vibe thing over there. And I'm just wondering like what yeah. the hell's going on in Australia or has it always been like that? Definitely always been, as far as I can tell, I mean, my experience of it from maybe 2000 and eight onwards or something it's always been pretty pretty good but lately it's got ridiculous like it almost got oversaturated just before the lockdown it was like you could go every friday and saturday night there would be you know four or five on a city that were worth going to like i don't know what happened i think lots of people just moved here and um just sort of grew exponentially and just, yeah, people just, I don't know, started getting really out of hand. But, I mean, it's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's always been good music here, like, from, you know, the 60s, 70s, like, heaps of cool stuff. But, yeah, I think the nation has kept a lot of it underground. Right. Then it's getting more, just so it's a good thing. Yeah. The vinyls are from Australia, aren't they? Yes, I think at least the singer is. Okay. She's from even. Crazy. She's from where? Hometown. She went to the same high school as one of the singers of the Friday Clouds. Oh no way! Pretty crazy. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's my uh, that's my if I'm like in a funk song, like I touch myself by the vinyls. I always play that, and it just like makes me feel better. I love that song so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Australia, for that. Well, Zach, the time has come. We're going to put one of your uh, Traffic Island songs on our playlist on Spotify, the Couch Radio playlist. And we want to know, like, do you have a couple, like, song recommendations that maybe, like, were, like, inspirational? Maybe one of those uh, songs from 63 to 66? Or is uh, a new song that you've been spinning lately? Okay. Well, I'll say um, My Mistake by Split Ends. That's, oh, that's, a, that's a big jam, a big inspirational jam. And a, a 60s one, huh? This, this, yes, yeah, I always get real lost in. Uh, I Love Her Still by The Poets. Okay. okay. I don't a know d- that. A deep diver. When I was like 8, 17 or 18, that was like the answer. When people ask me what the greatest song of all time, I was always thought that would be like my favorite song of my whole life, which... <laughs> It's really up there for me still. Oh, cool. That's man. a great answer. Yeah. Dude, thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh we love yeah. we, we love like all the music that you that you seem to put out. So uh this is like super cool for us. So we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Oh yeah, thanks for asking me. Yeah, dude. Good luck with everything you're working on right now. Yeah. You too. Thanks. Peace. Right, man. See you later. Peace. Zach Olson wants to be seen on his own terms, away from his family. He wants to find recognition 
in his own career. So let's not associate him with the Marvel Universe or Dual Star Entertainment. Here's the thing. If you're growing up in the shadow of having twin sisters that not only are stars of the silver screen, but they also have their own brand of mystery preteen novels, but somehow he's emerged as an artist of his own, which is impressive. 